of a quick business meeting for members. Genesis chapter 6. Genesis chapter 6, and look at verses 5 through 7. The Word of God says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Then verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the words that we read. (laughs) Thank you for the perfect history uh, recorded in the Bible, history of man and his works and your works and your interactions with man. And I pray tonight you'd help us to understand a little bit more about judgment, which is our theme for the week, and that we could see that you are a God of perfect judgment, but you certainly are willing to judge evil. Uh, And that's why we needed to point people to Christ. We pray you'd give us insight into your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're going to take a few minutes tonight and look at this idea of examples of judgment. On Sunday, we talked about eternal judgment. That was our theme. We looked at the great white throne judgment, uh, how those that never accept Christ, those that reject Christ, are going to go to a sentencing The great white throne judgment is not a judgment about whether or not the person's guilty. They are there because they're guilty. It's a sentencing. And, of course, the sentencing is a terrible eternity in hell. And you say, well, why would a loving God send people to hell? And the answer is God did everything he could do to keep people from going there. He did everything but make up your mind for you. And the same people that say Christianity is too strict and who does God think he is are the ones that say, well, how could God let me go to hell? (laughs) You know, you you can't have it both ways. Out of one side of their mouth, they're saying, stay out of my life. And the other side of their mouth, they're saying, how could you do this to me? Or how could you let this happen to me? And the truth is, we see that God has given mankind a free will. God is sovereign, of course, and certain things are going to run the way he has has decided, but within that realm, he has given mankind free will so that we make choices every day and we have to live with our choices. And God wants us to live by faith, believing him, making choices based on his word, his will, his direction. And when we do, there are rewards and blessings. And when we don't, there are consequences. And of course, the ultimate decision is what's going to happen to your soul, what do you believe about Jesus Christ, and it's also the ultimate consequence. If, if hell was no big deal, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die on the cross. And whenever you 
Whenever you try to minimize God's judgment, you're also minimizing the sacrifice Jesus paid because, well, he didn't really... If God's going to just let people go to heaven anyway, then why did Jesus have to suffer the cross? And you'll never be able to reconcile those two things because Jesus suffered the cross because it was the only way to give mankind a path to reconciliation to the Almighty. And so... Uh, God will certainly judge sin and sinners. And what I want to do tonight is I've got far too many examples. I've probably got 20 examples here, maybe 25 that we won't get to tonight. I'm just going to take the next 15, 20 minutes and and, uh, show you a few things here in the scriptures. But our Lord, he punished sin in individuals, he punished sin in families, he punished sin in cities, he punished sin in nations, because ultimately the, the judge of the earth must do right and sin must be punished. Now thankfully for you and I, the way that we can go to heaven is our sin was punished in Christ on the cross. And we either accept his payment for our sin or we must try to pay for our sin ourselves, which is impossible, and that's why there's the eternal death and suffering in hell for those that reject the gift of salvation. But we're going to look at a few iconic ones here. Probably the first two are are two of the most iconic judgments in the Bible, and the first is the flood, uh, the worldwide flood. Uh, And this is only about 1,600 years after... uh, God started keeping time with Adam and Eve's family. We know that Adam lived over 900 years, and and from the time when God started keeping track of Adam's family uh, with Seth and and who they beget and they beget, the Bible is very clear about how old each patriarch was when he had a child, how long he lived, how old that person was when they had a child, And so you can actually count with great accuracy all the way up to the flood. And in less than 2,000 years, mankind had so corrupted themselves that God said, wow, I'm just going to start over. (laughs) You all are so thoroughly corrupt. And notice the problem here. They, in verse 5, and God saw the wickedness of man was great, And so that was the outward actions of wickedness. Uh, And then look at the second part there. And that every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was, what's the next word? Oh, only evil. So this this is how bad things were. Their actions were bad, but you look around and see people's actions bad. Their hearts were, were evil, and you look around, you can see a lot of evil hearts. God's issue was, your heart is only evil all the time. They're basically reprobate. There's no good left in them. There was nothing to redeem. So before you say, well, why would God start over? There was literally nothing to redeem. God knew that none of them would have accepted His offers of grace and mercy no matter how long he tried, because the thoughts of their heart were only evil continually, 
But thank God there was one man. <laughs> and that's where we find in verse 8, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In, in all of this wickedness, Noah found one man. Or, you, thank you. God found one man, Noah, in whom there was hope. And that should give us hope today because you look around and see, man, maybe the community's uh, not doing well and the nation's not doing great and the, there seems to be a lot of evil uh, continually. But God is looking for that, that one. God's looking for that handful. If maybe someone's watching online and maybe you're a part of a church that's just about dead, God only needs one person. Maybe you're, just a, maybe you're part of a community that's just about totally given to evil. God just needs one person, maybe even in our nation. And so what's going on is like half the nation is nuts. God only needs one person to and one family to uh, reset everything. And Noah had found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was redeemable. He would listen to God and he led his family properly. But you see, in, in this situation, the Lord pronounced judgment on every living person other than one man and his family. And so God's serious about judgment. God's serious about it. You know, sometimes people act like, well, God's just going to let me get away with whatever. I was talking to a man this week, and he's in, he's in some, some situations that he ought not be in, and we talked about the fear of the Lord. You know, where's the fear of the Lord? You ought to fear God before anybody else. You ought to know that if you get off track, God's got a big stick and he knows how to use it. That's right. And some of us have been there. If you are God's child, he will chasten you. And if he doesn't chasten you, it's, not, it's because you're not his child. And so sometimes people think, you know, the Bible says the goodness of, of God leadeth thee to repentance. But oftentimes what we do is when we take God's goodness and grace, we sin and then nothing happens. And God, in God's mind, he's saying, I'm going to be good to you. I'm not going to bring the hammer down on that. I want you to see my goodness. I want to give you a chance to make it right yourself. That's right. But often what we do is we say, well, God's not doing anything about it. I guess it was okay. And we use God's grace as a reason to continue deeper into sin. That's one reason why we have the Lord's Supper, and we're going to have it the, the first Sunday in June. Uh, but one reason why we have it is so that we could judge ourselves. And in that passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, it says, if you should judge yourself, you should not be judged. God doesn't enjoy bringing the hammer down on people. And matter of fact, he says, if you'll judge yourself, I don't have to judge you. Just like when a child comes and says, oh, daddy, I, I was trying to get the cookie and I knocked the cookie jar off the counter and I broke the cookie jar. And, and they, are, they are so sorry and they're so contrite. And it's like, I deserve to be punished. And well, your job's mostly done. That's right. Right? That's different than the kids saying, oh, I didn't break the cookie jar. And they got chocolate chip chocolate all over their mouth. I didn't eat any cookies. <laughs> you know. Well, now that's a whole different story, isn't it? And so these examples of judgment show us and and I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight, but the world needs to know that God's going to do exactly what he said. 
in the, the track the Lord allowed me to write, Are You 100% Sure? We present the gospel in a way that basically admits people have been lied to their whole lives. You don't know who to believe anymore. But one person you better believe is God. And I say in that track that there's going to be a whole lot of people shocked in eternity that God does exactly what He said He was going to do. And boy, when you understand that, that brings the fear of the Lord. <laughs> you know, I want, to make sure, I want to make sure that first of all, I'm saved, that my eternal sins are under the blood of Christ through faith. But man, that also means I want to keep my life clean today. Uh, and, and like we often remind one another, you know, you might hide stuff from me, but you're not hiding it from God. A husband can hide from a, a wife, a wife can hide from a husband, kids can hide things from their parents, and so on and so forth. But ultimately, God knows everything. And if we don't get it right ourselves, He will judge sin. And so look at Genesis chapter 19, another one of the most famous judgments in the Bible. Genesis chapter 19. (laughs) And this is the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah were twin cities, if you will, two towns that were next to each other and they had an awful lot in common. Sodom became known for the sin of of what for many years was called sodomy. Today people would call it homosexuality. But the Bible is very clear all the way from the beginning of, of, of the book that sodomy, homosexuality, is not only, it's not only not God's plan. It is a, a horrible sin against God. Matter of fact, the Bible calls it an abomination. That's the strongest word for sin found, for hatred found in the Bible. Abomination. You can not like something, you can hate something, you can detest something, but when someone something is abominable, when when something's an abomination, it's like that's the last word in the English language that you have for hatred, trying to describe the, the depth and breadth of your hatred for something. And God says, no, this is abominable for me. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. By the way, the uh, homosexuality is, is rising among young people. Transgenderism rising among young people. And you can look at the stats between those who are called boomers and then so many percentage of them and then the next generation, so many percentage, the next generation, so many percentage. And every year it rises among the generation, I wonder why that is. Have you ever heard the phrase that you get what you emphasize? Yep. That's just a rule of life. Whatever you emphasize, you're going to get more of it. That's right. And the Bible says in Psalm chapter 12, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. If you, if you exalt wickedness and what is vile, you're going to get more of it. And there's a lot of people today that don't even know homosexuality is wrong. They don't even know sodomy is wrong. They don't even know that transgenderism is wrong. And all of those things are basically a rebellion against how God made you. I shared the scriptures with someone else this week. Matthew chapter 19, Jesus said, Have you not read that in the beginning, he which made them made them male and female? And there's only male and female. Have you ever wondered if, if there's unlimited genders, why are there only two options for gender surgery? You ever thought about that? 
And we've reached a place where technology, technology gives people the opportunity to go even deeper into their fantasies or changing through biology and hormone and such, but now even physical surgeries. But it doesn't change the X and the Ys in your chromosomes. It doesn't change the DNA. And this may be shocking to some watching tonight, but if, if you were born a, a male, every cell in your body is male. That's right. If you were born a female, every cell in your body is female. You say, well, what if I, I don't feel comfortable in my own body? Every junior hire that has ever lived has felt uncomfortable in their body. We're all gangly, you know, my teeth were far too big for my face, you know, my head was too big, you got long legs or short legs and long arms and you have to to learn to walk all over again as your feet grow and it's no, no teenager, no junior hire looks at them and says, man, I like what I see. It's no, it's, it's all a mess. But what if there were wicked people preying on the natural insecurities of children? Now that's evil. And a lot of people who are involved in that, the kids, it's not their fault. But there's people higher up, folks, where that's evil. By the way, a lot of those same folks think it's okay for minor attracted persons. They used to call them pedophiles. Now it's minor attracted persons. And some of those people believe that children can consent to sexual activity. It's wicked. It's wicked. It's wicked. That's right. And a lot of that stuff was going on in Sodom. Matter of fact, Sodom was so wicked, we won't take time to read the story, that two angels in the form of men came to Sodom to document how wicked the town was. God already knew it was wicked. He'd already decided to destroy it. While these two angels in the form of men were walking into Sodom... Abraham was praying to Jesus, a Christophany, and basically God said, if I find 50 righteous person, people, I won't destroy it. Uh, Abraham kept praying and got him down to 10 righteous people. If there were 10 righteous people in this large city, God would have spared it. And when you do the math, all that means is Lot, his wife, his children, and their husbands. All it would have taken is one family to be righteous. And God would have spared the whole city. But just like in the book of Genesis, there wasn't one family. Not one family. Matter of fact, the angels grabbed Lot and his wife and drugged them out of the city kicking and screaming. That's right. But back up to the night before. The city was so wicked, these two angels in the form of men walk in. The people in the street, the men in the, in the community, see there's two new men in the town. They go into Lot's house. The word passes around town that there are two new men that, that nobody's ever met before. They get a posse and they go beat on Lot's door saying, send these men out to me that we may know them. That's a sexual term, that we may sodomize them. They never even met these people, and they were going to ravage them against their will. 
But here's how messed up Lot was. Because you can't hang around something that is so perverse without it affecting you. And Lot in his perverseness said, no, you can't have these men, not because they're men and you shouldn't commit sodomy. It's because these men are guests in my house and I want to be a good host. (laughs) What do you think is the greater reason to protect men from sodomy? Because you want to be a good host or because it's just plain wrong? But see, Lot's reasoning was, no, no, it's, it's, it's a greater sin to be a lousy host than it is for you to come and ravage these men against their will. But this is how twisted he had become. He said, I've got two daughters that are virgins. He said, you can't have these men because they're guests in my home, but I'm going to send out my daughters and you can do whatever you want with them. Oh boy! How wicked is that? How perverse is that? And the men in the street said, no, we want those men. They were going to knock the door down. The angels made all the wicked men outside blind. But then the Bible goes on to say they wearied themselves to find the door. They were stricken with blindness, and that did not assuage their lust. They were still looking for the door. And you wonder... Oh, now I can see why maybe God would burn that city down. That's right. And by the way, there's still no Sodom there. There's still no city there. That's right. It's, it's gone. gone. It's gone forever. Ash. And Sodom became a, a, a forever symbol of not only how God feels about that sin, but... God's willingness to pronounce judgment and follow through. By the way, Lot's children had been so corrupted by living in that city that the story goes, God drug Lot and his daughters out. His wife turned back and looked and became a pillar of salt. They were in a cave and the daughters said, wow, Dad's not going to have any family, and and he's not going to have any sons, so we're going to get Dad drunk, and we're going to let our own father impregnate us. And they actually did that, and two nations that became a thorn in the side of Israel for generations were born out of molestation and perversion. You say, Pastor, I don't even want to know these stories. I'm sorry I have to tell them to you, but folks, this is what happens Whenever you look at people who are saying evil things and say, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. That's normal. Totally normal. No problem at all. Uh And you say, what do you do? What do we do about it today? What we do is we lovingly tell people the truth. We don't hurt anybody. Not advocating for physical harm or other things. What you do is you tell the truth. By the way, what do they call it today when you tell the truth? They call it hate speech. Hate speech. Hate speech. They call it violence. They call you worse than that, actually. And I tell people, if you think words are violence, you've never been punched in the mouth. I have been punched in the mouth, and I have been called bad names. I'd much rather be called bad names <laughs> than to be punched in the mouth.
Now, we only got through two of these tonight. But I want you to see that God not only judges, when you see things from God's perspective, you would agree with him and say, that's right, that was justified. And it's easy for us to say, well, God was a little too harsh in that, or I wouldn't have done it this way. Well, that's because you're not God and you don't have all the information he has. But I guarantee you God is just, if we had all the information God has, we would say, God, you did exactly the right thing. Because that's what God does. He's a God of justice and judgment and righteousness and holiness. But make no mistake, friend, he will judge sin. He judged the old world. He judged Sodom. He judged Egypt in Exodus chapter 9. He judged Israel in Numbers chapter 14. The people of Ashdod gave them hemorrhoids. There's a judgment for you. Tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 5, the people of Beshemesh, 1 Samuel chapter 6, they actually snuck a peek in the Ark of the Covenant and of 50,000 of them died. The Amalekites in 1 Samuel chapter 15, Cain in Genesis 4, Cain in Genesis 9, Korah number 16, Achan, Joshua 7, Hophni and Phinehas, 1 Samuel chapter 2, Saul, 1 Samuel 15, Uzzah, 2 Samuel chapter 7, he touched the ark of God, they put it on a cart, should have never happened, but he had the audacity to touch the cart even though it was, looked like it was going to fall. Jeroboam, 1 Kings 13, Ahab, 1 Kings 22, Gehazi, 2 Kings 5, Jezebel, 2 Kings 9, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel chapter 4, Belshazzar, Daniel chapter 5, Zacharias, Luke chapter 1, Ananias and Sapphira, Acts chapter 5, Herod, Acts chapter 12, Elymas, Acts chapter 13. It goes on and on and on. Thank you, Dennis. But I think you get the point. God's a God of judgment. That's right. And he will judge sin. Right. And our only hope is to turn to him in humility and beg for mercy. And we find grace and mercy in Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, thank you for the truth that we have learned this evening. Help us to have a healthy dose of the fear of the Lord, not just afraid of you, but afraid to disappoint you, knowing who you are, what you're worthy of, what you're capable of. Help your people to have that and help the world to have it so they can see that they need Christ. People never get saved unless they see the need of a Savior.